And to you all over on Twitch, it's nice to see you as well. Hello, 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 and welcome back. How is everyone doing? First, I have to turn my chair all the way back in the proper direction. McNerd says, I'm not doing great, but I'm about done with my third quarter of school. It's good to have that finish line sort of somewhere on the horizon. I would encourage you, sprint through the finish. You know, it's, it's always hardest toward the end when it's looking like, oh, where are we at here? You know, what, what have I accomplished so far? What do I still have left to do? I think it's toughest at the end. Keep pushing. You got this. I believe in you. I believe in you. McNerd? McNerd, I believe in you, McNerd. No problem, Rebecca. You can catch it later on. As per usual, everybody, if you want to catch these episodes later on, you can find them here on Twitch um, for two weeks after I stream it. And then, of course, after one week, I go ahead and put them up on YouTube. Yeah, five hours of algebra. That is harsh baby tyranny. I, I wish you luck with that. I was never one of those folks who enjoyed math. I'm still not really there. I would say I did okay with it until we got up through uh, statistics. And, you know, I won't I won't make a claim to have, you know, really advanced through all of the mighty ranks of mathematics, but statistics was the one that really got me. I, I was not good at that. You know, I don't think I've ever told this story on stream before. Uh, it was one of the most trouble I ever got in. When you hear what kind of trouble I got in, maybe that will sort of put into context for you the sort of kid I was. Uh... I, <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, there was a program at uh, one of the local um, higher learning institutions. It was a summer program wherein you could choose like a couple of different subjects that you wanted to participate in. I, I did participate in a, <laughs> um, a a theater program there, which was taught by someone who would eventually be a, an English teacher for me. Um, and I was in that I was in that class in English. This is not the story, by the way. This is a pre-story for the actual story. I had spent a lot of time, like, but before I got to middle school, I had already read The Lord of the Rings all the way through more than once. It was during that class with that that English teacher that we had reading time. Um, and during reading time, someone would get up in front of the class and read. And it just wasn't... Listening to a sixth grader try to read is a, was tough for me because I had had experience with, like, you know, my grandma reading to me on tape. And so that was, like, a, a just a smooth experience and, and fast. And so I got in trouble in that class for reading during reading time. <laughs> I was supposed to be listening to the, the student reading at the front, which, you know, I, th I think it's excellent practice. I think people should read out loud. It's very helpful. But it wasn't the sort of thing that was helping me understand the book that they were reading at that particular moment. So I was reading a different book hidden by my desk and I got in trouble for reading during reading time. But the second one was the other thing that I was a part of at that at that summer program was I did the, the theater thing. That one was fun. Didn't get back into theater until well into high school. Um, but the other one I took was a science one. It was sort of science mathematics. They had these little plastic chips. And we found out that if you, if you, put them on top of the air conditioning unit, uh, they would float up in the air and spin around. Uh, it's not the Coriolis effect. I don't remember what it's called. Um, but the <laughs> we found out that you could do that. We did it a few times. The teacher told us not to. Now, this is a very, very terse man who I later found out <laughs> uh, would be my high school science teacher. Uh, he he was not a big fan of kids. Um, it seemed like an odd profession for him to be in, especially considering this was like, you know, a <laughs> learning experience for a bunch of kids. But he told us not to do it in no uncertain terms. Do not do this thing. Um, my friend and I who were in that that little class there had decided, you know what, let's just let's just go for it one more time. And I put the thing on there. And instead of doing what it had done every single other time, which was to float up in the air and go, <laughs> it went, zoop. 
boink, and like a coin in a in a gumball machine, it just went straight down into the machine. And as our teacher is walking back into the room, he hears this as the as the air conditioning machine shreds this piece of plastic and this thing is like thicker than a quarter it's a it's a pretty despicable experience as he walks in and we make eye contact and i'm of course horrified looking over at him i know i done wrong and it is shredding this thing and spitting little tiny chunks of red plastic out of it just up into the air because now of course it's doing what i wanted it to do that uh, i got in trouble he called my mom. It was that was an unpleasant. <laughs> it was and that was uh, that. That's some of the most trouble I ever got in when I was in school. The other one is, I got in a lot of trouble in a, <laughs> in a gym class. But that's a story for a different time, I think. Harthook says I would love to listen to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and yeah, we've talked about it a little bit before. That's one of my plans for this channel. I would love to. Um, I would love to read that. And frankly, uh, we are currently going through the Hobbit at a pretty steady pace. It might not be quite as far on the horizon as I first anticipated. So, something to keep in mind. That's one of the things that, and this is the last thing we're going to talk about before I go into our review. Some things I need to get off my chest. The, the thing that's been tough about this channel is that so much of Twitch and YouTube now as well is dedicated to like really, really high turnover content. You know, people who like, they, they, they still stick with one thing for a little while and then, you know, like within a month they've already moved on to something else. That's just not what we do here. And, you know, we could, we could do some shorter stories and kind of jump from thing to thing. One of my first next priorities is doing a short story segment, whether it's going to be its own show or whether we're going to do kind of a unit in that on, on Vintage Sidecar. I'm not sure yet, but yeah, it's definitely been tough. It doesn't seem like YouTube and Twitch, both as platforms and as a sort of like viewer base, are necessarily down with what we're doing here. For all of you who have tried to combat that by sharing around the links, right now I think we've got everything consolidated into the one that uh, you can find in the description box. It's a link tree slash sidecar stories. That's the one to use and that is basically the best thing y'all can do to help the show out. Because like I said, this is not something that I think Twitch or YouTube is naturally pointing people toward. What can you do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna keep reading, but first, some review. Uh, chapters 11 and 12 of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, colon, the lightning thief. <laughs> um, I don't even know if that's like a, I don't even know if that's a colon, but uh, it doesn't really matter. So first uh, we have, let's see, chapter titles. Oh, I didn't put them in. I didn't put them in like a fool. Uh, we get advice from a poodle, but before that, we have chapter 11. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to get it. Here we go. We visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. Uh, last week, we got to meet one of our very first, uh, one of our very first monsters that doesn't seem to have been sent by someone, right? Up, up until this point, we have been dealing with creatures and gods and everything that really exist inside this very, um, very distant ecosystem, right? As we are watching Percy encounter mythology, it's always like, you know, we, we, we talk about Olympus and, and, you know, we see a few up front, a few real living legends like Dionysus and um, a.k.a. Mr. D uh, and Chiron, a.k.a. Mr. Brunner, not Dr. Brunner. Um, it has been... It, other than that, just sort of like people off in the distance, you know, people that you hear about. We hear about Zeus, we hear about Poseidon, but we don't see them up front. And then, you know, we see a couple of monsters, but they're always sent sort of from out in the distance. 
So it feels like, at the very least, you know, it's possible, like, maybe maybe Greek mythology is sort of alive and well underneath the modern-day world, but it's sort of distant, it's sort of at an arm's reach, and and when it does reach into the, the sort of normal world, um, it's always from that place. But no, it does not seem that that is the way. We are fresh off of uh, an attack, right? The Furies have just attacked our trio on a bus. They're wandering through a little forest here in rural New York State, and they encounter um, the smell of food, basically. They're hungry. They head in. It's a garden gnome emporium, a very strange place with all these life-size, seemingly like stone, maybe concrete statues, hard to tell. Um, Some of them even look kind of familiar, but they're all incredibly realistic. And they head in and find a woman all in like a, a, a big sort of headdress and veil sort of thing, uh, wherein you can't see, you cannot see an inch of her. Um, even her hands are covered up. And as such, uh, they don't know precisely who they're dealing with, but things get a little creepier and a little creepier and a little creepier until we find this ain't just some lady, some kind woman. Um, this is our first example of Someone, other than sort of Camp Half-Blood, our first practical example of someone who just lives out in the real world somewhere. And it's Medusa. Um, All of these garden statues. uh, For those of you who don't know the legend of Medusa, Medusa, um, when people look at Medusa, um, they're turned to stone. And she tries to lure these three to look at her uh, under the under the the guise of like taking a picture of them. Now we know how she's getting all these statues, and where you know when she sells them to places, we know the real people. Um, A really horrifying kind of concept. But Percy manages with the help of his two friends, as we might expect. Um, Grover really doing a lot of heavy legwork. Um, <laughs> a lot of heavy goat leg work, um, flying around and you know, like taking taking sort of strafing passes at Medusa with a baseball bat, I believe. Um, Annabeth hangs back a little bit, and maybe we'll be finding out more about that later. But um, it is certainly challenging here for all three of them. Percy does manage to cut off Medusa's head, which is also it's funny to me because like we like Medusa's out of the way really early in this. Medusa's not like a fury wherein, you know, she's going to dissolve into smoke and then, and then, you know, return at some later date. As far as we know, Medusa, there's just the one Medusa and unlike the just one Minotaur, this one Medusa is now dead as of book one, chapter 11. (laughs) Um, We learn a little bit about her history. I'm not going to go too deep into that. Suffice it to say that um, she... She has a thing for Percy's dad and really hates Annabeth's mom. Um, So, Medusa's dead. Um, They decide to ship, well, I shouldn't say they, Percy decides to ship Medusa's head off to Mount Olympus as kind of a statement. And Annabeth says that he's being a little bit, uh, what is it, impetulant? What is it? Um, Oh, let's see. (laughs) <laughs> uh, never mind, it's Grover. Grover says, they'll think you're impertinent. And uh, he says, uh, I am impertinent. Indeed. Um, absolutely not, Galaxy Fox. Uh, not the place for it. I don't recognize your name here, so I don't quite trust you. We shall see. Um, this is a this is not a stream where we are going to... We've, we've got a couple of other streams that might be more dark humor friendly, but uh, if it's dark, if it's actual dark, you're going to get banned, I can promise you. Um the um 
the next chapter here, um, they're kind of, you know, they're deciding what to do next. They're kind of on the move. Um, they have to go and they, they sleep in a, in a spot in the woods. Um, it's not a great night. Annabeth sort of separates herself off fairly early. Um, but Percy and Grover have a chance to talk for a bit. They have a, uh, a discussion where we learn a little bit more about Grover's kind of whole plan for life. He needs his searcher license. We don't know why until this chapter, at which point we discover it's because he wants to hunt down, uh, where did Pan go? Pan, the god of nature, uh, has apparently disappeared a long, long time ago, and he wants to find Pan, um... He can see sort of how the how the world looks like it's going. Uh, it, it seems fairly clear to him that, you know, humans kind of are taking whatever opportunities they can to infringe on Pan's territory. Um, and, you know, as they as they drift off to sleep, uh, you know, Percy's not feeling great about this quest coming up. <laughs> um Grover has picked out something here. Uh, Grover knows that Percy's real aim is it's not really to retrieve this bolt. It's not about that for him. For him, what it's about is it's about going and finding his mom. He's hoping that if he can if he can go there, if he can go to uh, down to, to Hades and down into the underworld, he might be able to find his mom. He's heard of it happening before. You know, this is not the first time uh, that, that somebody has gone there. And he thinks maybe if he can go there, maybe he can make this happen. Now he goes off to sleep. He has a terrible dream in which someone with a deep voice from underneath is, seems to be trying to use Percy to sort of crawl out of this pit down below. It says, help me rise, bring me the bolt, strike a blow against the treacherous gods. We don't get much more illumination than that, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, Percy wakes up uh, and we find out that Grover has made friends with a dog named Gladiola, who is going to uh, help them get a little cash to buy some train tickets to move on their way. And that is the end of our review. Everyone, thank you very much for being here. Uh, I appreciate you all for uh, for spending time here. Uh, I appreciate you all sharing as you have. Uh, the, the, this show can only be as big and as great as y'all make it, um, which I really got a great illustration of yesterday because we finished off our we finished off our campaign in Dungeon World. Um, our Dungeon World campaign is over. I'm going to be. <laughs> Sorry, Memnite. Yeah, I know. I didn't do my quote hands. Um, uh, our Dungeon World campaign is is going to end up on YouTube uh, once I have a pay uh, Now that it's over, I'm going to have a chance to sort of batch process it, batch edit it, and uh, that should be a bit quicker. But uh, that should be up on YouTube. And so our Wednesdays, as they will continue to be dedicated to tabletop RPGs for the, for the time being, um, Wednesdays are now going to move over into something a little different. Um, Y'all can expect we're going to be having a session zero on the 24th and our first session on the 31st. But our first session of what? It is called The After. This is going to be The After, a sidecar stories fiasco. It is uh, a collaborative project between um, myself and Mr. Halfbit and some, some other folks who are going to be coming on as guests. Um, but we're telling a, we're telling a story here about a, an apocalypse. Now, a couple of the big things are that a chat is going to have a chance to affect the story directly. We've got some ways that fiasco works that we're going to be able to tie in, let chat sort of decide 
in some pretty big ways how this story goes. And secondly, when I say it's about discovering the nature of the apocalypse, neither the characters nor us as the cast know what the what the apocalypse was yet. And we're going to be discovering that over the course of the season. Uh, we're going to take it in, in a season. Our, our aim is eight episodes. So eight episodes of this. Um, in other words, show up there soon or it may be too late. And you'll have to just catch it on YouTube. You'll be able to watch it, but you won't be able to help affect the story. Um, at least not until the next one that we do. So Come hang out on Wednesdays. That is noon Pacific time. I believe that's 9 p.m. Central European time. Something to keep in mind. Now, everyone, I really appreciate you all joining me here today. Let's move into our reading, shall we? Um, Mountain Climbing Guy says you need a veterinarian on your apocalypse team. It does seem like the veterinarians are, whether it's whether it's the apocalypse or some sort of like Jason Bourne sort of like assassin story, like it's always veterinarians. Some, some veterinarian is going to be very, very helpful to that process. Everyone, thank you a bunch for being here. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories and welcome to Flying Sidecar. Let's do this. Chapter 13, I plunge to my death. We spent two days on the Amtrak train, heading west through the hills, over rivers, past amber waves of grain. We weren't attacked once, but I didn't relax. I felt that we were traveling around in a display case, being watched from above and maybe from below, that someone was waiting for the right opportunity. I tried to keep a low profile because my name and picture were splattered all over the front pages of several East Coast newspapers. The Trenton Register News showed a photo by a tourist as I got off the Greyhound bus. I had a wild look in my eyes. My sword was a metallic blur in my hands. It might have been a baseball bat or a lacrosse stick. The picture's caption read, 12-year-old Percy Jackson, wanted for questioning in the Long Island disappearance of his mother two weeks ago, is shown here fleeing from the bus where he accosted several elderly female passengers. The bus exploded on an East New Jersey roadside shortly after... Jackson fled the scene. Based on eyewitness accounts, police believe that the boy may be traveling with two teenage accomplices. His stepfather, Gabe Ugliano, has offered a cash reward for information leading to his capture. Don't worry, Annabeth told me. Mortal police can never find us. But she didn't sound so sure. The rest of the day I spent alternately pacing the length of the train, because I had a really hard time sitting still, or looking out the windows. Once I spotted a family of centaurs galloping across a wheat field, bows at the ready as they hunted lunch. The little boy centaur, who was the size of a second grader on a pony, caught my eye and waved. I looked around the passenger car, but nobody else had noticed. The adult riders all had their faces buried in laptop computers or magazines. Another time, toward evening, I saw something huge moving through the woods. I could have sworn it was a lion, except that lions don't live wild in America, and this thing was the size of a hummer. Its fur glinted gold in the evening light. Then it leapt through the trees and was gone. All reward money for returning Gladiola the Poodle had only been enough to purchase tickets as far as Denver. We couldn't get berths in the sleeper car, so we dozed in our seats. My neck got stiff. I tried not to drool in my sleep since Annabeth was sitting right next to me. Grover kept snoring and bleeding and waking me up. Once he shuffled around and his fake foot fell off. 
Annabeth and I had to stick it back on before any of the other passengers noticed. So, Annabeth asked me, once we'd gotten Grover's sneaker readjusted, Who wants your help? Huh? What do you mean? When you were asleep just now, you mumbled, I won't help you. Who were you dreaming about? I was reluctant to say anything. It was the second time I dreamed about the evil voice from the pit. But it bothered me so much I finally told her. Annabeth was quiet for a long time. That doesn't sound like Hades. He always appears on a black throne and he never laughs. He offered my mother in a trade. Who else could do that? I guess... If he meant, help me rise from the underworld. If he wants war with the Olympians, but why ask you to bring him the Master Bolt if he already has it? I shook my head, wishing I knew the answer. I thought about what Grover had told me, that the Furies on the bus seemed to have been looking for something. Where is it? Where? Maybe Grover sensed my emotions. He snorted in his sleep, mumbling something about vegetables, and turned his head. Annabeth readjusted his cap so it covered his horns. Percy, you can't barter with Hades. You know that, right? He's deceitful, heartless, and greedy. I don't care if his kindly ones weren't as aggressive this time. This time? I asked. You mean you've run into them before? Her hand crept up to her necklace. She fingered a glazed white bead painted with the image of a pine tree, one of her clay end-of-summer tokens. Let's just say I have no love for the Lord of the Dead. You can't be tempted to make a deal for your mom. What would you do if it was your dad? Easy, she said. I'd leave him to rot. You're not serious. Annabeth's gray eyes fixed on me. She wore the same expression she'd worn in the woods at camp, the moment she drew her sword against the hellhound. My dad has resented me since the day I was born, Percy, she said. He never wanted a baby. When he got me, he asked Athena to take me back and raise me on Olympus because he was too busy with his work. She wasn't happy about that. She told him heroes had to be raised by their mortal parent. Well, but how... Well, I mean, I guess you weren't born in a hospital. I appeared on my father's doorstep, in a golden cradle carried down from Olympus by Zephyr, the West Wind. You'd think my dad would remember that as a miracle, right? Like maybe he'd take some digital photos or something, but he always talked about my arrival as if it were the most inconvenient thing that had ever happened to him. When I was five, he got married and totally forgot about Athena. He got a regular mortal wife and had two regular mortal kids and tried to pretend I didn't exist. I stared out from the train window. The lights of a sleeping town were drifting by. I wanted to make Annabeth feel better. I just didn't know how. My mom married a really waffle guy, I told her. Grover said she did it to protect me. To hide me in the scent of a human family. Maybe that's what your dad was thinking. 
Annabeth kept worrying at her necklace. She was pinching the gold college ring that hung with the beads. It occurred to me that the ring must be her father's. I wondered why she wore it, if she hated him so much. He doesn't care about me, she said. His wife, my stepmom, treated me like a freak. She wouldn't let me play with her children. My dad went along with her. Whenever something dangerous happened, you know, something with monsters, they would both look at me resentfully like, how dare you put our family at risk? Finally, I took the hint. I wasn't wanted. I ran away. How old were you? Same age as when I started at camp. Seven. But, okay, hold on. You, you couldn't have gotten all the way to Camp Half-Blood by yourself. No, not alone. Athena watched over me, guided me toward help. I made a couple of unexpected friends who took care of me. For a short time, anyway. I wanted to ask what had happened, but Annabeth seemed lost in sad memories. So I listened to the sound of Grover snoring and gazed out of the train windows as the dark fields of Ohio raced by. Food. Where's my, where's my dang sound effects at, huh? It's a chapter break. I gotta have my sound, sound effects. effects. Where are they? Where's my, where's my thunder at? Hold on. I, I don't accept this. This is a chapter break. I need, I need. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you, my, per oh, good Lord. Did they just, did they clear it out? Oh, there was an update. It deleted my soundboard. Are you kidding me? Bunk. Bunk. Okay, heck with it. There, thunder. <laughs> Voice mod. Despicable. I know, <laughs> Sander. Oh no, not the soundboard. All right, here we go. We're back in it. Toward the end of our second day on the train, June 13th, eight days before the summer solstice, we passed through some golden hills and over the Mississippi River into St. Louis. Annabeth craned her neck to see the gateway arch, which looked to me like a huge shopping bag handle stuck in the city. I want to do that, she sighed. What? I asked. Build something like that. You ever seen the Parthenon, Percy? Only in pictures. Someday, I'm going to see it in person. I'm going to build the greatest monument to the gods, ever. Something that'll last a, a thousand years. I laughed. <laughs> what? You? An architect? I didn't know why, but I found it funny. Just the idea of Annabeth trying to sit quietly and draw all day. Her cheeks flushed. Yes, an architect. Athena expects her children to create things, not just tear them down. Like a certain god of earthquakes I could mention. I watched the churning brown river of the Mississippi below. Sorry, Annabeth said. That was mean. Can't we work together a little? I pleaded. I mean, didn't Athena and Poseidon ever cooperate? 
Annabeth had to think about it. I guess the chariot, she said tentatively. My mom invented it, but Poseidon created horses out of the crests of the waves, so they had to work together to make it complete. So then we can cooperate too, right? We rode into the city, Annabeth watching as the arch disappeared behind a hotel. I suppose, she said at last. We pulled into the Amtrak station downtown. The intercom told us we'd have a three-hour layover before departing for Denver. Grover stretched. Before he was even fully awake, he said, Food? Come on, goat boy, Annabeth said. Sightseeing. Sightseeing? The gateway arch, she said. This may be our only chance to ride it to the top. Are you coming or not? Grover and I exchanged looks. I wanted to say no, but I figured that if Annabeth was going, we couldn't very well let her go alone. Grover shrugged. As long as there's a snack bar without monsters. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, I had that great sound. Y'all don't even know how long it took me to find that sound effect either. Chatter break. It's time for a chatter break, everyone. Just a quick one. Okay, so we've had this moment where Percy and Grover have had a moment together to really understand Grover and what he's all about. Why he's here. What does he want? And now we've had kind of our moment with Percy and Annabeth. Our first hints of what do they want? What are, they, what, are their, what are their wants? What are their needs? And I want you to keep an eye now, now that we've seen Grover, of course, you know, he's expressed this de desire to go find Pan. Keep an eye, I want, I want you to watch for how that affects the things that he does here. How does that, how does that guide his actions? And now for Annabeth, two things. This, this desire to create something. Uh, I want you to think about that. Uh, McNerd says, I hate that the half-bloods feel that they have to keep up parent rivalries. Yeah, this, this idea that you know, there's a different dynamic here between Percy and Annabeth and there is between Percy and Grover. Percy and Grover, like, Grover's just there to be, to be supportive, right? Because that is what will earn him his searcher's license. With Annabeth, it's something different. She has her own destiny she needs to fulfill, and it sounds like that includes creating something grand, something big, something important that'll last and I want y'all to think about that for Grover and for Annabeth now as well what are what are the ways that their goals their needs the things that they have inside and don't forget that ring around her necklace either we don't know precisely what it means but keep an eye on that how do these things affect the actions that they take every move you make no let's get back into it the arch was about a mile from the train station. Late in the day, lines to get in weren't that long. We threaded our way through the underground museum, looking at covered wagons and other junk from the 1800s. It wasn't all that thrilling, but Annabeth kept telling us interesting facts about how the arch was built, and Grover kept passing me jelly beans, so eh, I was okay. I kept looking around, though, with the other people in line. Hey, you, uh, you smell anything? I murmured to Grover. He took his nose out of the jelly bag. <laughs> okay, since I goofed up anyway, I just want to say, visit tiny museums. Um, 
This, I would say the Arch Museum is probably not a tiny one by comparison, but visit like tiny local museums. We went to some mining museums that I had never been to. Uh, they're, they're sort of like in the Midwest and I had never been to them in spite of living there. Uh, and then once I got a lot older, we went to a bunch of them and they're like a ton of fun. Go to local museums. Do it, punks. Grover took his nose out of the jelly bean bag long enough to sniff. Mmm, underground, he said distastefully. Underground air always smells like monsters. It probably doesn't mean anything. But something felt wrong to me. I had a feeling we shouldn't be here. Hey, guys, I said. You know the gods' symbols of power, right? Annabeth had been in the middle of reading about the construction equipment used to build the arch, but she looked over and said, Yeah? Well, Haiti... Wait, no, 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 no. <clears throat> Grover cleared his throat. We're in a public place. You mean our friend downstairs. Um, right, I said. Our friend way downstairs. Doesn't he have a hat like Annabeth's? You mean the Helm of Darkness, Annabeth said. Yeah, that's his symbol of power. I saw it next to his seat during the Winter Solstice Council meeting. He was there? I asked. She nodded. It's the only time he's allowed to visit Olympus, the darkest day of the year, but his helm is a lot more powerful than my invisibility hat, if what I've heard is true. It allows him to become darkness, Grover confirmed. He can melt into shadow or pass through walls. He can't be touched or seen or heard, and he can radiate fear so intense that it can drive you insane or stop your heart. Why do you think all rational creatures fear the dark? But then, how do we know that he's not right here watching us? I asked. Annabeth and Grover exchanged looks. We don't, Grover said. Okay, yeah, great. That makes me feel a lot better, I said. Got any blue jelly beans left? I'd almost mastered my jumpy nerves when I saw the tiny little elevator car we were supposed to ride to the top of the arch. And I knew I was in trouble. I hate confined spaces. They make me nuts. We got shoehorned into the car with this big fat lady and her dog, a chihuahua with a rhinestone collar. I figured maybe the dog was a seeing eye chihuahua because none of the guards said a word about it. We started going up inside the arch. I had never been in an elevator that went in a curve and my stomach was not too happy about it. No parents? The fat lady asked us. She had beady eyes, pointy, coffee-stained teeth, a floppy denim hat, and a denim dress that bulged so much she looked like a blue-jean blimp. They're below, Annabeth told her. Scared of heights. Oh, the poor darlings. The chihuahua growled. The woman said, Now, now, Sonny, behave. The dog had beady eyes like its owner, intelligent and vicious. I said, Sonny? Is that his name? No, the lady told me. She smiled as if that cleared everything up. At the top of the arch, the observation deck reminded me of a tin can with carpeting. Rows of tiny windows looked out over the city on one side and the river on the other. 
the view was okay, but if there's anything I like less than a confined space, it's a confined space 600 feet in the air. I was ready to go pretty quick. Annabeth kept talking about structural supports and how she would have made the windows bigger and designed a see-through floor. She probably could have stayed up here for hours, but luckily for me, the park ranger announced that the observation deck would be closing in a few minutes. I steered Grover and Annabeth toward the exit, loaded them into the elevator, and I was about to get in myself when I realized there were already two other tourists inside. No room for me. The park ranger said, Next car, sir. Uh, we'll get out, Annabeth said. We'll wait with you. But that was going to mess up everybody and take more time, so I said, No, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll see you guys at the bottom. Grover and Annabeth both looked nervous, but they let the elevator door slide shut. Their car disappeared down the ramp. Now the only people left on the observation deck were me, a little boy with his parents, the park ranger, and the fat lady with her chihuahua. I smiled uneasily at the fat lady. She smiled back, her forked tongue flickering across her teeth. Wait a minute forked tongue. Before I could decide if I'd really seen that, her chihuahua jumped down and started yapping at me. Now, now, Sonny, does this look like a good time? We've got all these people here. Doggy, said the little boy. Look, look, it's a doggy. His parents pulled him back. The chihuahua bared his front teeth at me, foam dripping from his black lips. Well, son... The fat lady sighed. If you insist. Ice started forming in my stomach. And did you just call that chihuahua your son? Chimera, dear. The fat lady corrected. It's not a chihuahua, it's a chimera. She rolled up her denim sleeves, revealing that the skin of her arms was scaly and green. When she smiled, I saw that her teeth were fangs. The pupils of her eyes were sideways slits like a reptile's. The chihuahua barked louder, and with each bark it grew, first to the size of a doberman, then to a lion. The bark became a roar. The little boy screamed. His parents pulled him back toward the exit, straight into the park ranger, who stood paralyzed, gazing at the monster. The chimera was now so tall, its back rubbed against the roof, and had the head of a lion with a blood-caked mane, the body and hooves of a giant goat and a serpent for a tail, a ten-foot-long diamond back growing right out of its shaggy behind. The rhinestone collar still hung around its neck, and the plate-sized dog tag was now easy to read. Chimera. Rabid, fire-breathing, poisonous. If found, please call Tartarus. Extension 954. I realized I hadn't even uncapped my sword. My hands were numb. I was ten feet away from the chimera's bloody maw, and I knew as soon as I moved, the creature would lunge. The snake lady made a hissing noise that might have been laughter. Be honored, Percy Jackson. Lord Zeus rarely allows me to test a hero with one of my own brood. For I am the mother of monsters, the terrible Echidna. I stared at her. All I could think of to say was, Isn't that like a kind of anteater? She howled, her reptilian face turning brown and green with rage. I 
hate when people say that. I hate Australia, naming that ridiculous animal after me for that. Percy Jackson, my son shall destroy you. The chimera charged, its lion teeth gnashing. I managed to leap aside and dodge the bite. I ended up next to the family and the park ranger, who were all screaming now, trying to pry open the emergency exit doors. I couldn't let them get hurt. I uncapped my sword, ran to the other side of the deck, and said, Hey! Hey, Chihuahua! The chimera turned faster than I would have thought possible. Before I could swing my sword, it opened its mouth, emitting a stench like the world's largest barbecue pit, and shot a column of flame straight at me. I dove through the explosion. The carpet burst into flames. The heat was so intense it nearly seared off my eyebrows. Where I had been standing a moment before was a ragged hole in the side of the arch, with melted metal steaming around the edges. Great, I thought. We just blowtorched a national monument. Riptide was now a shining bronze blade in my hands, and as the chimera turned, I slashed at its neck. That was my fatal mistake. The blade sparked harmlessly off the dog's collar. I tried to regain my balance, but I was so worried about defending myself against the fiery lion's mouth, I completely forgot about the serpent's tail as it whipped around and sank its fangs into my calf. My whole leg was on fire. I tried to jab Riptide into the chimera's mouth, but the serpent's tail wrapped around my ankles and pulled me off balance. My blade threw out of my hand, spinning out of the hole in the arch and down toward the Mississippi River. I managed to get to my feet, but I knew I was lost. I was weaponless. I could feel deadly poison racing up to my chest. I remembered Chiron saying that Anaclusmos would always return to me, but there was no pen in my pocket. Maybe it had fallen too far away. Maybe it only returned when it was in pen form. I didn't know, and I wasn't going to live long enough to figure it out. I backed into the hole in the wall. The chimera advanced, growling, smoke curling from its lips. The snake lady, Echidna, cackled. They don't make heroes like they used to, eh, son? The monster growled. It seemed in no hurry to finish me off now that I was beaten. I glanced at the park ranger and at the family. The little boy was hiding behind his father's legs. I... I had to protect these people. I couldn't just... die. I tried to think, but my whole body was on fire. My head felt dizzy. I had no sword. I was facing a massive, fire-breathing monster and its mother. And I was scared. There was no place else to go. So I stepped to the edge of the hole. Far, far below, the river glittered. If I died, would the monsters go away? Would they leave the humans alone? If you are the son of Poseidon, Echidna hissed, you would not fear water. Jump, Percy Jackson, show me that water will not harm you. Jump and retrieve your sword. Prove your bloodline. 
Yeah, right, I thought. I'd read somewhere that jumping into water from a couple of stories up was like jumping into solid asphalt. From here, I would splatter on impact. The chimera's mouth glowed red, heating up for another blast. You have no faith, Echidna told me. You do not trust the gods. I cannot blame you, little coward. Better you die now. The gods are faithless. The poison is in your heart. She was right. I was dying. I could feel my breath slowing down. Nobody could save me. Not even the gods. I backed up and looked down at the river. I remembered the warm glow of my father's smile when I was a baby. He must have seen me. He must have visited me when I was in my cradle. I remembered the swirling green trident that had appeared above my head the night of Capture the Flag when Poseidon had claimed me as his son. But this wasn't the sea. This was the Mississippi, dead center of the USA. There was no sea god here. Die, faithless one! Echidna rasped, and the chimera sent a column of flame toward my face. Father, help me, I prayed. I turned and jumped. My clothes on fire, poison coursing through my veins, I plummeted toward the river. And that's the end of chapter one. Ooh, that's another tough one. That's another tough way to go out, isn't it? Yikums. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. We've got a second chapter tonight coming up. Don't worry. Yes, it was a big ending, Luis. Yes. What's going to happen? Percy is now plummeting to his death? Question mark? Excuse me? I mean, this being chapter 13 at all, it does seem like that would be pretty abrupt, wouldn't it? But how could it possibly end here? How could it possibly end? Now, let's talk a little bit about this, okay? We have got Percy, and Percy, as we learn more about him, this is this is how it goes with all stories, you know? We're, we're starting to learn a little bit more about this character. What do we know about Percy? Well, we know a couple of things that drive him. We know a lot about his history, but this is one of those first big moments where we see Percy make a significant choice based on his own personal values. Let's talk. Um... Basically, I just want to I just want to talk about this one line, uh, and then I'm going to give us a chatterbreak question. And then we're going to uh, then we're going to move into our next one. Uh, well, I'm going to do my break first, and then we have got review, and then we're going to do our next chapter. Of course, of course, a horse, of course. Hey, Kenyon, I am glad you love Percy Jackson. I'm glad the uh, I'm glad you liked the um, uh, the voices. That was a pretty solid sound effect. Um, I I think I, I think I'm happy with it. I think I'm pleased with how it went. Let's talk about this quote. Um, Percy is looking at this family, and here, don't worry, don't worry, Memnite, we got, we got the, uh, our special quotes hand signal, uh, I glanced at the park ranger and the family, the little boy was hiding behind his father's legs, I had to protect these people, I couldn't just die, um, uh, I tried to think, but my whole body was on fire, my head felt dizzy, I had no sword, I was facing a massive fire-breathing monster and its mother, and I was scared, so, a little bit of a look into some of Percy's thought processes, right? Percy is, this is, this is a big moment where he is making a decision. Like, I'm going to try and do something drastic here for them. For them. I'm going to try and do this for someone else. 
<laughs> Lemon Fried's head that sounded like him from Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> oh, man. I, I only watched a very small amount of Powerpuff Girls when I was little, but... Okay. All right. Fair enough. Lemon Pride. Lemon Pride! You get away with this one. Jem says, I like that Percy is so good. And Bearden says, did the sword glitch or nah? What's going on here? Yeah, so a, a couple of great questions. Um, did did the sword glitch? Um, you know, what is Percy good? Is Percy sort of like, what what is driving Percy right now? And I think that is, you know, that is, that is going to be part of our chatter break question as we move out of it. But, you know, watch these things. And I keep telling you that this is like... I think in in Flying Sidecar, I'd just like to give you all reminders. I would love for this to be a gateway toward Vintage Sidecar for some of you who who look at these and say, you know what, like, if I learn a little bit about this and I, I try to, you know, pay some attention to the characters and the themes and such, it is kind of more fun. At least that's how it's been for me. So if I can let this be a gateway toward Vintage Sidecar for you all and then Vintage Sidecar be a gateway to your own sort of, like, independent literary analysis... As I said before, you come to art from where you are, and it's valuable because it means something to you, not because there's a right answer about what it means. Mirden says, Percy's arrogant like a lot of other Greek gods. Um, it it seems, so so there very well may be some arrogance there, um, but it also seems that Percy is willing to do something really drastic and potentially deadly to himself in order to save these other people. Rowlett says, uh, help show Percy ways he can use his power to his advantage. Interesting. Interesting. Um, oh, excuse me. Roll it. <laughs> there we go. Jem uh, says, uh, that's one way to push your kids over the edge. It is, isn't it? And this is one of those sort of odd moments. It seems so quiet. The gods are so quiet. Poseidon is so quiet on this. Um, and, you know, we don't know exactly how the sort of the rules of this Um we don't know like how how the how the gods are able to get a peek into the mortal world, but you know, does Pers does does uh, Poseidon know this is all happening? Is Poseidon aware of this? And if so, does he have anything to say about it? Is he going to help? These are some things that perhaps we will have to uh, we'll have to see more going forward. But um, I think that's our big question. Um, that's going to be our that's going to be our chatter break question. Um, does Poseidon know about what's going on here? And if so, is he going to say anything? Is he going to help? Why? Why not? Uh, Holly Rose says Zeus certainly knows, since Echidna said he gave her permission to test him. Interesting. Yes, so there is some awareness of this up at Mount Olympus. And is this sort of like a general permission? Is this a permission specifically toward Percy? It kind of seems like it might be toward Percy because, of course, Zeus is very suspicious of Percy right now, is he not? Curious. Curious. All right, everyone, I'll be back in five, and I will see you then. And then we're going to do some discussion. See you in a sec. Bye-bye. Fee-fi-fo-fum. Is there a Memnite here somewhere? Hmm. Who's been in my library? Hmm. <laughs> I'm back. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How you all doing? 
Okay, let's see. Let's see about our discussion. Hogwarts Hippie says, of course Poseidon knows. Even if he can't take a peek himself, surely he has some being keeping an eye on things. I almost imagine some nosy, mischievous character like Mundungus that gossips and keeps his gods slash goddesses informed. I was wondering if Poseidon isn't helping Percy because he's making him prove himself worthy of being called son of Poseidon. An interesting dynamic that would be. Um, you know, that would be that that would be a rough way to live. Um, having to sort of like prove yourself, especially when you've got a whole history of others like like your namesake, Perseus. Like that's a lot to compare oneself to. Um, oh, Holly Rose had to duck out. That's too bad. We'll miss you, Holly. I'm glad you're here. Um, McNerd says, I mean, after the water healing, Poseidon doesn't have much of a choice. Uh, yeah, to, to really be, to, to really claim, to really claim Percy as his son. Uh, I guess not a lot of choice indeed. Uh, Holly Rose, uh, brought up our good, our first good point about, you know, like, Zeus definitely knows about this. Um, let's see. Kyron says, personal reasons. Wants lightning back. Yes? I believe so. I believe that is why... That's why Zeus is so up in arms about this. Rowlet says, I'm sure Poseidon is aware. He, came to, he claimed Percy right when it was the most obvious. Um, yeah, it seems like... It seems like he has at least some idea. And maybe until... Maybe it's, maybe it's only because Percy had already been in the water at that point. I don't know. You know, some of Percy's powers started manifesting before that time. So... Yeah, an interesting, it's it's this overall question of, like, what is Poseidon aware of? And once we know that, it's going to give us a clue of, like, okay, well, if there are things that Poseidon is aware of but not doing anything about it, why? And I think there's an overall theme in here about parenthood, uh, about the relationship between kids and parents. Um, as I've said before, you know, it takes a while to start to develop some of these themes out, um, but I would say... We're looking at one in that genre right there, the sort of relationship between parents and children. Rowlet says, or Rowlet, excuse me, uh, maybe Zeus is trying to see how Percy would handle being tested. Like, what kind of heart does he have? So all the creature says, maybe the bolt was stolen again. The Furies were asking where it was. Uh, okay, so maybe a, a second, yeah, maybe a second heist on the bolt. Interesting. Interesting theory, sloth creatures. Um, Jem says, I think the water is the safest place for Percy. He'll be all right. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's not a sea. That's the trouble. That's the big trouble of it all. Um, let's see. Mirden says, so does anyone else find it kind of weird? Percy is just like a normal dude. Like Poseidon's sons are all giants and cyclopes. Um, that's also an interesting question. Why? Why does Percy seem to be one of the more normal ones? But of course, we're not going to really get into that much until later on. Um, let's see. Louis says, are the gods limited in how much they can do for their children? They're certainly supposed to be limited in certain things. It seems like that's all sort of like honor system, though. And if they, if they you know, don't do it, who's going to stop them except for some other god somewhere? McNerd says, but Percy was fine in the creek, so Poseidon's power wasn't limited to the sea. Interesting. The clues. The clues. <laughs> you know what? I think there's only really one way to find out. Everybody, shall we continue? Brief review of our last chapter. We start with Percy and uh, Percy and his two friends heading on the Amtrak train, um, using that instead of a bus. They don't like buses anymore. 
they have a couple of days of travel to St. Louis. Seems to go pretty well. Um, St. Louis is uh, a, a city on the Mississippi, and its most notable feature is its arch. Um, it is high, high in the air, as I can show you on this picture here. Um, and although it's a little tough to see, actually, maybe I can adjust this. So I just, I, I thought it was kind of, I didn't like looking at the sort of the the riverbank there. But as you can see, it is very close to the water here. Um, I don't know if it's a direct drop, but uh, it's definitely close to the water. Um, and as such, Percy can kind of see this out from this situation. The situation, of course, being he and his friends go up to the top of the arch. And up there, they meet someone from mythology. It is Echidna. Echidna, spelled exactly like the uh, that Australian creature, which is, if I remember correctly, very cute. I don't remember if it's quite pangolin cute, but it's very cute, if I remember correctly. Um, Echidna is not so much. Uh, she is scaly and lizard-like, and um, her son, as the mother of monsters, Echidna, um, her son is the Chimera. It is like a lion, except it's got two heads, three technically. Um, it's got the head of a lion and the head of a goat up front and then back where its tail should be it's got a snake um, as you can see in this scientific diagram here. Um, and although I believe the book mentioned that it did have the hooves of a, of a goat as well. It's got the head of a goat and the hooves of a goat. Anyway, not super important. Um, it's dangerous. It, uh, it's it got the, the, the snake end is poisonous. Um, the front end breathes fire. This is a mess and Percy sent Annabeth and Grover down the elevator already. He's all alone. And, well, that would be okay, except he's not quite all alone, right? Um, there are these humans here, and once once he gets bit, this poison is rushing through his veins. He has dropped his sword down into the Mississippi River below, and he decides he's going to have to jump. So he does so. He heads out of the hole, you know, blasted in the side of the arch by this chimera. And that's where we begin. That's right. You heard me. A very quick review. Everyone, are you ready to go into our next chapter? Let's do it. Chapter 14. I get fully dead. I'm joking. Chapter 14. I become a known fugitive. I'd love to tell you I had some deep revelation on my way down. That I came to terms with my own mortality, laughed in the face of death, etc. The truth? My only thought was... Ah! The river raced up toward me at the speed of a truck. Wind whipped the breath from my lungs. Steeples and skyscrapers and bridges tumbled in and out of my vision. And then... <sighs> a whiteout of bubbles. I sank through the murk, sure that I was about to end up embedded in a hundred feet of mud and lost forever. But my impact with the water hadn't hurt. I was falling slowly now, Bubbles trickling up through my fingers. I settled on the river bottom soundlessly. A catfish the size of my stepfather lurched away into the gloom. Clouds of silt and disgusting garbage, beer bottles, old shoes, plastic bags, swirled up all around me. At that point, I realized a few things. First, I had not been flattened into a pancake. 
hadn't been barbecued. I couldn't even feel the chimera poison boiling in my veins anymore. I was alive, which was good. Second realization, I wasn't wet. I mean, I could feel the coolness of the water. I could, I could see where the fire on my clothes had been quenched, but when I touched my own shirt, it felt perfectly dry. I looked at the garbage floating by and snatched an old cigarette lighter. No way, I thought. I flicked the lighter. It sparked. A tiny flame appeared right here at the bottom of the Mississippi. I grabbed a soggy hamburger wrapper out of the current and immediately the paper turned dry. I lit it with no problem. As soon as I let it go, the flames sputtered out. The wrapper turned back into a slimy rag. Weird. But the strangest thought occurred to me only last. I was breathing. I was underwater and I was breathing normally. I stood up, thigh deep in mud. My legs felt shaky, my hands trembled, I should have been dead. The fact that I wasn't seemed like, well, a miracle. I imagined a woman's voice. A voice that sounded a bit like my mother. Percy, what do you say? Um, thanks. Underwater, I sounded like I did on recordings, like a much older kid. Thank you, father. No response. Just the dark drift of garbage downriver. The enormous catfish gliding by, the flash of sunset on the water's surface far above, turning everything the color of butterscotch. Why had Poseidon saved me? The more I thought about it, the more ashamed I felt. So I'd gotten lucky a few times before. Against a, a thing like the Chimera, I never stood a chance. Those poor people in the arch were probably toast. I couldn't protect them. I was no hero. Maybe I should just stay down here with the catfish. Join the bottom feeders. <laughs> a riverboat's paddle wheel churned above me, swirling the silt around. There, not five feet in front of me, was my sword, its gleaming bronze hilt sticking up in the mud. I heard the woman's voice again. Percy, take the sword. Your father believes in you. This time I knew the voice wasn't in my head. I wasn't imagining it. Her words seemed to come from everywhere, rippling through the water like dolphin sonar. Where are you? I called aloud. Then, through the gloom, I saw her. A woman the color of the water. A ghost in the current, floating just above the sword. She had long, billowing hair, and her eyes, barely visible, were green like mine. A lump formed in my throat. I said, Mom? No, child, only a messenger. Though your mother's fate is not as hopeless as you believe. Go to the beach in Santa Monica. What? It's your father's will. Before you descend into the underworld, you must go to Santa Monica. Please, Percy, I cannot stay long. The river here is too foul for my presence. But... 
I was sure this woman was my mother, or a vision of her anyway. Who, who how, how did you... There was so much I wanted to ask. The words jammed up in my throat. I cannot stay, brave one, the woman said. She reached out and I felt the current brush my face like a caress. You must go to Santa Monica. And Percy, do not trust the gifts. Her voice faded. Gifts? I asked. What gifts? Wait! She made one more attempt to speak, but the sound was gone. Her image melted away. If it was my mother, I had lost her again. I felt like drowning myself. The only problem, I was immune to drowning. Your, your father believes in you, she had said. She'd also called me brave, unless she was talking to the catfish. I waded toward Riptide and grabbed it by the hilt. The chimera might still be up there with its fat, snaky mother waiting to finish me off. At the very least, the mortal police would be arriving, trying to figure out who had blown a hole in the arch. If they found me, they'd have some questions. I capped my sword, stuck the ballpoint pen in my pocket. Thank you, father, I said again to the dark water, and then I kicked up through the muck and swam for the surface. I came ashore next to a floating McDonald's. A block away, nearly every emergency vehicle in St. Louis was surrounding the arch. Police helicopters circled overhead. The crowd of onlookers reminded me of Times Square on New Year's Eve. A little girl said, Mama, Mama, that boy walked, he walked out of the river. Oh, my, uh, that's, that's nice, dear, her mother said, grinning to look at the wall of ambulances. But he's dry. That's nice, dear. The news lady was talking for the camera. Probably not a terrorist attack, we're told, but it's still very early in the investigation. The damage, as you can see, is very serious. We're trying to get to some of the survivors to ask them questions about eyewitness reports of someone falling from the arch. Survivors. I felt a surge of relief. Maybe the park ranger and that family had got out safely. I hoped Annabeth and Grover were okay. I tried to push through the crowd to see what was going on inside the police line. An adolescent boy, another reporter was saying. Channel 5 has learned that surveillance cameras now show an adolescent boy going wild on the observation deck, somehow setting off this freak explosion. Hard to believe, John, but that's what we're hearing. Again, no confirmed fatalities. I backed away trying to keep my head down. I had to go a long way around the police perimeter. Uniformed officers and news reporters were everywhere. I'd almost lost hope of ever finding Annabeth and Grover when a familiar voice bleated, Percy! I turned and got tackled by Grover's bear hug, or goat hug. He said, We thought that you'd gone to Hades the hard way. Annabeth stood behind him, trying to look angry, but even she seemed relieved to see me. We can't leave you alone for five minutes. What happened? I, I sort of fell. Percy, 630 feet? Behind us, a cop shouted, Hey, gangway! The crowd parted and a couple of paramedics hustled out, rolling a woman on a stretcher. 
I recognized her immediately as the mother of the little boy who'd been on the observation deck. She was saying, And then this huge dog, this huge fire-breathing chihuahua. It, it, it's, uh, it's okay, ma'am, the paramedic said. Just calm down. Your family's fine. The medication is going to start kicking in. I'm not crazy. The boy jumped out of the hole and the monster disappeared. Then she saw me. There, there he is. That's the boy. I turned quickly and pulled Annabeth and Grover after me. We disappeared into the crowd. What is going on? Annabeth demanded. Was she talking about the chihuahua on the elevator? I told them the whole story of the chimera, echidna, my high dive act, and the underwater lady's message. Whoa, said Grover. We've got to get you to Santa Monica. You can't ignore a summons from your dad. Before Annabeth could respond, we passed another reporter doing a news break, and I almost froze in my tracks when he said, Percy Jackson, that's right, Dan. Channel 12 has learned that the boy who may have caused the explosion fits the description of a young man wanted by authorities for a serious New Jersey bus accident three days ago. And the boy is believed to be traveling west. For our viewers at home, here is a photo of Percy Jackson. We ducked around the news van and slipped into the alley. Okay, first things first, I told Grover. We gotta get out of town. Somehow, we made it back to the Amtrak station without getting spotted. We got on board the train just before it pulled out for Denver. The train trundled west as darkness fell, police lights still pulsing against the St. Louis skyline behind us. And that is, believe it or not, the end for today. Let's see. Memnite says, says, we we demand a third chapter. All in favor says aye. And you very well shall have another chapter. I look forward to it next week. Don't forget, everybody, if you want more reading in your life in general, you know, we're doing this one at a pretty steady pace. Although, like I said, today was a little bit of a short one. We do also have uh, a couple of other streams. On Tuesdays is Vintage Sidecar, where we shed some light on Classic Lit. Right now, we're reading through The Hobbit, and that has been uh, quite the adventure. Uh, This coming Tuesday, I've got another song I'm singing. I sing a song like every other stream in that one sometimes like multiple streams in a row you you got to be a real goose not to enjoy some of the songs that that uh, Tolkien writes okay let's take a look at this message so first of all uh, it's all in italic so I'm just looking for anything italic and the first thing I thought the first thing I spotted was fump 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 because that's the uh, phonetic version of that's the onomatopoeia for uh, the riverboat's paddle wheel uh, but no after that the woman or I, sh- I should say let's see there's a bit there's a bit around that so first of all this woman's voice, which we learn is something between Percy's mother and not quite Percy's mother. Uh, this voice says, Percy, what do you say? Along the lines of like, what do you say? Come on. What do you say, Percy? Uh, thanks, replies Percy. And then, of course, we have fump, fump, fump. Uh, and then after that, the, uh, let's see, what would it be? Would it be Nyad, I believe? That's my prediction, by the way, because I don't remember precisely. I'm predicting uh, Nyad. Percy, take the sword. Your father believes in you. Okay, interesting. He asks, Mom, and to which the voice responds, No, child, only a messenger. Through your... Though your mother's fate is not as hopeless as you believe. Go to Santa Monica. Go to the beach in Santa Monica. So, something along the lines of what Percy might have been hoping, right? Hoping that... If he can get to to the underworld, maybe he can indeed bring back his mother. 
right? It's a possibility, isn't it? At least this voice seems to think so. Um, or unless it's referring to something else entirely. But I know, like, from Percy's perspective, he's got this particular plan. He's got he's to be thinking along those lines, right? Uh, next, it's, the voice says, It is your father's will. Before you descend into the underworld, you must go to Santa Monica. Please, Percy, I cannot stay long. The river here is too foul for my presence. Interesting. What does that mean? The river is too foul for my presence. Baby Tyranny, nope, no beans yet. Um, we're going to be doing that one after we have a bit of a discussion here, but of course it was a bit of a short one, so we're having a slightly longer discussion than we normally would. Um, uh, Rowlett says, I think that might be Pan? Rowlett, interesting. An interesting idea. Rowlett says, or like someone that works with Pan? Yeah, it's possible, right? Who knows? Um, uh, it, it certainly does seem like a, a strange occurrence because it does state it's not Percy's mom. Uh, but anyway, finally, this voice says, you must go to Santa Monica and Percy, do not trust the gifts. And at the very end, you know, she tries to speak something else, but we don't know quite what it is. But what are our big, big facts here? Your father believes in you. Go to Santa Monica Beach. Don't trust the gifts. And your mother's fate might not be as dark as it seems right now. That's a lot, right? That's a lot of new information that Percy's been confronted with. Um, and I think... I think the the overall system has got to be... Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I got I got myself into some some rough territory here. Let me let me just think about this for a second. Overall for Percy, this experience, not system. I don't know why I pulled system. The overall experience um of going on this quest, having to listen to all these voices around him that all seem to be telling him different things and you know some of these it's a little easier to not trust them, right? It's a little easier to say, "Okay, the voice I have in my nightmares with the dead people all around telling me like, "Go, get away." Um and with the with the terribly evil laugh and the crazy voice from underground, is, oh, "Percy, release me. You don't trust the treacherous gods." Some of them make it a little easier, right? But there are still there are just a lot of voices in Percy's ear. Some of them literal, some of them less so. Um, but it's a lot of different inputs, right? People are trying to help, um, and then seem, you know, other people are saying don't don't trust them. You know, we got the Oracle saying that there's a friend that's going to betray Percy. We've got this voice now saying don't trust the gifts. Is that sort of like the gifts that that Poseidon grants? Is that the like the gifts given to him on his commencement of this journey? Is it gifts that have yet to be given to him? You know, the gifts, you know, somebody else is going to give him gifts. Is it the sword? Yeah, exactly. Like there is, there are, there's a lot of unclarity here. And it's kind of funny because this is a continuation. This is a, a great tradition of style from back in the original days of the <laughs> back in the original days of mythology there were moments like this some of these silly little instances of like you know don't trust the gifts some of these little like semantics clues that ended up getting misinterpreted and like prophecy prophecy was rife with this sort of thing um well i don't necessarily suggest that 
some of the folks, like, I don't necessarily suggest all of the audience for this particular show go and read Oedipus, Oedipus Rex. Um, but some of you, and if you do, you will understand, like, similar sort of thing. Uh, lots of, like, oh, yes, ah, yes, we can see how, how prophecy can really, like, get us all turned every which way. Um, that lack of clarity seems to be the only thing that makes prophecy come true. It seems like that's the only option. Memnet says, are you sure it isn't don't trust the gifts? You might be right. It might be that one gif of the uh, of the rat carrying around that enormous slice of pizza. And she's like, you can't trust it. You can't trust it. It's from back in your hometown. Don't trust it. Um, or just any random... <laughs> Bearden. <laughs> hey, look, don't worry about it. Baby Trini says, no, no gifts. Uh, McNerd says, gems that make sense. Let's see. Uh, Gem says, maybe future gifts. Uh, McNerd says, that makes sense. Or maybe it means they will be offered something. Yeah, like like a... I know, gems. I am too. It's it's wild. Um, that that did it. I Now I really want pizza very badly. Um, the The world of prophecy is a strange thing, it seems. How do we feel like Percy's doing so far? Uh, Eve says, weren't they given a gift at the beginning to help them? Yeah, there are all sorts of gifts that might be relevant here. You know what I mean? I didn't, Mirden. I've turned a future stream TVMA. Somewhere somewhere far in the future, Sam reads Oedipus Rex. Um, uh, McNerd says, I think the they got the shoes which gem said uh yep that's one of them um and then of course like you could interpret a lot of things as gifts right um any help from poseidon could be interpreted as a gift the the powers of like healing granted by water and the powers of like uh of maybe even controlling water in a certain way like we saw back at the bathroom when clarice dragged him in there what does it mean uh, Luis says the immense room for interpretation is where religion begins, I believe. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of space in there. I think that's, that's a lot of what, um, what helps, you know, many faiths to sort of, uh, um, to continue is that, you know, there's a lot of ambigu uh, ambiguity. There we go. Couldn't find it. It was, it was back there in the back of the drawer. Um, a lot of ambiguity, um, and, uh, as such, you know, a, a lot of these things can sort of be counted as like yeah that that probably is a connection between this and you know this part of this particular faith what have you um let's see uh memnite says our next no i'm not even gonna read it <laughs> no memnite it will not be <laughs> i don't plan to read that one on stream i don't think that one that one right there that one will probably never end up on stream <laughs> Uh, which is not to say I, I don't intend to do, like, I, I would love to do more adult streams, like, um, not like, not things that are like rated TVMA for adult content kind of thing. I just mean like, you know, something a little bit more, uh, and I, I don't quite mean like, I don't mean vintage either. I'm talking more along the lines of like, you know, just something with, uh, like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, something along those lines. Um, although that one does have adult content, I just mean more along the lines of like, you know, something a little, a little bit more mature. Yeah. Jem says, my poor kids. Yeah, that's the, that's the tough thing. I, I might have to like start a second channel, I guess. I don't know. This, this channel is not like, 
<laughs> I don't, I think you, you can split channels when you have achieved like such a great amount of growth that either one might survive on its own. I don't think I'm there yet. And if I split into two channels, I don't think that's what would be doing myself any favors. So yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Shotzi says, Sam, you ever look into eddings like I've been hounding you? Uh, I did indeed. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Um, I, I don't know like when it will fall on the list here because I will admit to you, I have got, I've got a few different series including um, Chronicles of Narnia, maybe Lord of the Rings, almost definitely that I would love to get to. And then, um, you know, if I can manage it, I think the, I, I realized like, I am, let's see, what was it I was working on? I had some experience. I, it was like a song that I heard or a video that I watched or something that gave me just a really like nice, calm, quiet sort of feeling. And it reminded me a ton of the Redwall series. Now the Redwall series is, is something where it doesn't have quite the same like overall sweeping narrative. It's slightly more episodic um, compared to something like Percy Jackson or Harry Potter. But but like I would I think I might like to do just like a really like nice calm sort of like bedtime story style read through of some of the uh some of the Redwall series. This is 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 um uh, the Good Earth is a great, more mature book. Um, Shasi says it would be vintage. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, a possibility. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Some of these, like, they're they're tough to decide because some of them are like there is great fantasy literature um, that would also be considered classic. Um, and as such, like, it's it's tough to decide. Like, okay, which stream does it belong on? This is the, this is the thing, folks. I just need to be able to do more streams in a week, but I can't quite I can't quite get there yet. Uh, Halfbit says the Frog and Toad series. Yep, yep, indeed. Speaking of the Witcher, speak of the Witcher and Halfbit shall appear. <laughs> um, this is, uh, this is, this is true. By the way, y'all, Halfbit's going to be streaming later. Um, I, yeah, Halfbit, you may notice I've, like, I ended the reading pretty early today, so now we're just chatting about it for a little while. Um, let's see, Mirden says, Sam read the scripts for film and TV. Um, I have definitely done that for, for certain things. I don't think I've done it for any of the, any of the things that we've read here, if I remember correctly. I, I, I think I delved into it a little bit for Gatsby. I think I looked at that a little bit for Gatsby just to see about like some of the things that they had changed. Baby Tierney says, um, nope, mature, maybe, maybe more mature, uh, is what you were shooting for there. Uh, more mature, but have you checked out the Keeper of the Lost Cities? Uh, I think so. I think somebody else had sort of got me on that track. And yeah, I, I, I believe I, I took a look at it. You know what? We're not on like a, any sort of strict timetable here. Keeper... I want to say I looked into that. It, it, it somebody here wanted me to look into it. Um, yeah, I recognize these book covers. Okay. Um, yeah. I, yes, Shannon Messenger. I recognize that. Okay. So um, yeah, it was one of the ones I looked into. Uh, again, it's like that's part of the that's part of the big trouble of what we do here is that it's just such slow turnaround, right? I would love to have like a you know if I could. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just tell you about the dream here. Okay. Let me tell you about the dream. First of all, everyone, I would encourage you to share the hashtag and join the hashtag read aloud crowd because I think that would be the ideal way to get more more read more read aloud in this world. But, but, Dryer the Titan, that is a fantastic thing to say to a person. Dryer the Titan says, Sam, you'd make a great Chiron in the Disney Plus series. Dryer the Titan, that is very flattering. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, my says Sam reads the entirety of Friends. See, 
doing a, oh boy. Okay. Hold on. That That's a part of it. Here's the dream, right? Here's the dream. Sam doesn't do any of his own prep, <laughs> right? This grows, this grows to a huge point, right? Sidecar stories grows to be something enormous. Again, this is the dream. This is like, this is not my expectation for it. This is what, this is what I hope to work toward. Sam doesn't do any of his own prep because frankly, that is not the part of it that I really love. The part that I love is being here and, and performing it. Um, Sam gets to do like a show like every single day of the of the work week um, and like maybe multiple shows in a day because you know, like this, I think these shorter streams are good because it means you can catch up with it. I think it would be whack for me to expect y'all to show up here on a Thursday night and be like, hey, here's a, here's a four to six hour stream of us reading like eight chapters in a row uh, of Percy Jackson. Um, Cause then it would be like, it would be impossible for y'all to like stay caught up with it. Um, that, like a lot of people just don't have that much time in their week to dedicate to like catching up with these things. Um, so I, I think I like this sort of like two hour kind of bite size things that people can fit into their week. Um, and, but I would love to do more of them. I want to do more of them. And I want to have, I want to have it not just be me. I would love to have like whole shows that I'm not even on. I would still like to be in most of the shows, but like, I would love to have shows that I'm not even a part of. I would love to get it big to the point where we've got other storytellers in here, other, not just readers, but you know, people who are in here just to play, to play voices for certain things, people who, um, who are going to do things like, uh, you know, half bit is really like spearheading this, the after project. Um, and the after is going to be an experience in telling our own story. I want to do more of that. And, um, I would absolutely love to do dramatic readings. Um, essentially they're called table reads of screenplays. Like that would be, that would be amazing for me. I probably wouldn't start with friends. Um, I would probably think more along the lines of like, um, you know, I, I could see multiple different ideas. I would love to do, um, I would love to do ones for, for projects that looked like they could have been great, but they never got produced. I would love to do that. Um, I would love to do like different takes on, uh, other, um, you know, like, like a, like a, a, a table reading of, of very popular stories, like, you know, heck Lord of the Rings movies. Why not? Um, uh, McNerd says, Oh, Sam, I decided to start a D and D game. Uh, I'll try, uh, and I'll try storytelling. And that's exactly what, that's exactly the stuff that I, I think that, you know what, that is exactly what I'm hoping this channel can accomplish. What I'm, you know, when I say like, I'm talking about my dream for the thing here, that's what I want to do with it. But if there, if I hope it has any impact on the world, it's people who join the read aloud crowd. It's people like McNerd who have decided to start something and, and tell stories with your own people. I want more people doing more stories out in the world, even more than I want, you know, more people doing stories here in this little ecosystem. I think sidecar stories can be something bigger and more significant. And I, I, what I want that to accomplish is to have people like McNerd and, you know, people who have joined the read aloud crowd and continue to do stuff like this. Not even, you know, not even on stream or, or, you know, like you don't need to like start a thing, just more people telling stories to one another and with one another. Cause I think stories are important. Stories are super important. I think story is the, the thing that makes humanity significant. If there's one significant thing about us, it's our ability to tell stories and to hear stories and to, to relate experience, right? There is something, there's something fantastical. There's something magical about letting someone else experience something without them having to experience it for themselves. And I always like to go back to fire. You don't need to burn yourself to know that fire is hot. 
that's a very tiny story telling someone else about about getting burned by fire but you can extrapolate that out into the witch in the cave and all the way up to the lord of the rings or or or, or game of thrones or the odyssey the iliad um uh the girl with the dragon tattoo like all of these things are stories they are parts of ways to learn about and experience the world without demanding that you yourself as one single human experience the full breadth and palette of human experience i think it's amazing and i'm so glad that more people are having those experiences with one another like mcnerd here <laughs> i'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of uh <laughs> um, a lot of offers to to jump in and be voices in different things. Yo, I just had an idea. So part of part of the challenge of this is that like you know it, it's pretty wild for me to try and bring somebody in for something like Percy Jackson, where you have to be available so much, right? Like it, it would demand not just that you like you want to be a part of this, but also that you would have to be available at like regular times, and if something happens, yada yada yada. But what if we did like a community read where like people could jump in and like, you know, something with a lot of voices where people could like, we'll all just join the same, we'll just join the same discord channel. Um, the, the one that I use now and I'll just unmute a certain group of people and we'll all do like this big long read through. Okay. Okay. I think y'all need to, y'all need to be expecting that on a Friday coming up soon. Okay, we got to pick a story. Y'all, all right, here's the deal. Y'all, you have a task. You have a task. And I think this is the last thing we're going to go go into before we do bad beans. We're going to do bad beans in just a second here. Okay, so uh, community read through. I want y'all to blow up the general chat with that right now. I want to hear... Uh, I want to hear the things, so the just the general chat in there, just the main general chat. That's where I want to see all of your suggestions for the stories that would be good for that sort of thing. They need to be something that we can read in one night, right? Something that would be, it can be slightly longer than this, but, but something we can, we can read in just one night. Um, uh, I think a short one as a test would be great. Um, something with, with lots of voices, if we can manage it, that would be awesome. Um, and I recognize, you know, something with a lot of voices that's also short typically means that those individual voices might be, they might not get a lot of lines. I think that's something that we have to, we have to recognize. I think that, that, that is okay for us. Um, so, um, I, for, for some reason, my, my thought or who, who was it? Um, a frog and toad. I think that might be a great suggestion. I don't know why I said my thought. I, I was, explicitly thinking of it as somebody had suggested it here so your thought rather i think it was half bit frog and toad in my is lodged in my head as having a lot of different characters in it and also not being terribly long so like i said everybody i want you to blow up general chat with that over on discord because that's where i'm going to be able to actually keep an eye on it um orbital says uh orbital's agreeing with mcnerd and saying i was actually thinking magic treehouse too okay that's an interesting suggestion magic treehouse um, and, uh, yeah, I know like some of y'all have definitely had experience with, uh, frog and toad, which is going to be extra fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe some of these where we can get some, some, some voices in just from the community. So y'all, y'all, I think that's a pretty cool idea. Um, I'm going to have to, oh my good Lord. Maybe a Dr. Seuss story. Indeed. Shotzi. Shotzi. Hmm. We'll have to see. Okay, everyone, everyone. Bearden says, basically, Sam's audio community theater. Yeah, like uh, the Sidecar Radio Network. 
<laughs> Welcome to Sidecar Radio. Um, because that's you know that's that's a lot of the tone I want this to take is is uh, and although I would love to get into like if if we were to go like super big I'm talking like rooster teeth big to the point where we could like form an actual production company out of it I would love to tell like animated stories with uh, with all these voice actors uh, and such um, but yeah I think you know as long as we remain in the sort of radio radio play genre like I'm sort of in now um, I would love to add more and more to that y'all y'all. Some good stuff, Shotzi. So, so yeah, there's some talk about Dr. Seuss, and now that now that now that we're on this, I think let's 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 talk a moment about this because this seems kind of significant, actually. Shotzi says he's getting canceled out, and I'm so sad. So let's talk about Dr. Seuss, huh? Um, a couple of things. Dr. Seuss is not getting canceled. Um, Dr. Seuss is a state decided to pull a number of books uh, that had some depictions that they felt were no were not right for um, to, to, to be out in the world anymore. And I think there is a large group of people who are trying to convince others that like, oh, Dr. Seuss is getting canceled by the libs or something. And that's it's simply not the case. Um, uh, I would urge you all to like be be careful of who you're listening to um, in terms of uh, in terms of anytime somebody seems like they're intentionally trying to make you angry, um, I think like people like uh, like Crowder, um, the whole Louder with Crowder guy, like perfect example. Just they exist to try and make you angry about things um, because it's a great way to make money off of you, uh, frankly. Um, not directly. You don't pay them directly, but um, your clicks go toward advertisers and those advertisers do pay them. So, um, yeah, just the, the more that they can get you sort of like, you know, clicking, commenting, you know, joining in this this whole thing. It's a lot of discussion about things that, frankly, they don't even believe. Um, I, don't, I, th- I think generally, like, I would say people who are perpetuating this idea are not people that believe Dr. Seuss is being canceled, but it's pretty profitable for them to make other people believe it. It's, uh, I, I think, you know, uh, there are a couple of major news sources that, that like to do this as well. Um, honestly, go for, go for, like... Uh, the Associated Press, um, C-SPAN, honestly, if you're looking for like American political news, really there are, there, there's too much money to be made in bad journalism in, in like, uh, in, in, in journalism that's designed to make you angry and to frustrate you and, or, and to make you sad. Uh, like, I think, I think there's just, there's a lot in there. Uh, appealing to emotion is essentially a broken way to handle this sort of thing. Um, uh, so, uh, don't trust people who seem to constantly get a rise out of you for whatever reason. Uh, if, the, if they are constantly making you angry or sad or somehow, like, somehow making you emotional, A, um, do I think you should stay informed? Yes. But B, keep in mind, those are the folks, the, the people who are constantly getting a rise out of you, those are the ones who are making money off of it. And they're in it to make money off of it. Careful about your sources, everybody. McNerd says, on Google, Harry Potter is for 10-year-olds and Percy Jackson is for 12-year-olds. Interesting. Um, <laughs> Louis says, no wonder. I don't watch or listen to the news. Jem says, I feel like some people are just trying to cancel life. Um, I mean, it, there, are, there are definitely people who who I think, who, who I mean, there are, there are some things that I think need to be no longer in the world. I would love to get a. I would love to get quite a bit less bigotry out of the world. Um, and if we want to call that cancel culture, I guess. I. I mean, I guess let's cancel it. But I think you know, it's it's also fair to say, like, 
we can put this this weird label on it like cancel culture or we can just say hey here's this thing that's busted let's fix it <laughs> it's so funny there are, there are, there are people i mean it's not funny it's it's uh gross yeah it's gross um it's gross that that people are able to if they slap the label cancel culture onto something they can make you believe that it's a negative thing to try and make progress away from bad parts of our past right Let's not pretend like we never screwed up here. Um, and if they can sort of like, if they can say cancel culture is messed up and also this thing is cancel culture, then it can attach these. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to do a whole thing about this. I've, I've yet to decide the right platform for it. It's going to be one of the, one of the, like the short form ones. It's probably not going to be on YouTube, um, but uh, maybe Instagram. We'll see um, about this. Like I, I've, I've been calling it hay carding. Um, where you just like pitch ideas up onto the hay cart and uh, after a long enough time, people will just look at anything that you claim to be the hay cart and and they'll take it with all the baggage that you've attached to it, right? They will, they will, (laughs) they will, they will attach all of these terrible ideas to something and then claim, oh, this is that thing, right? If y'all want to, if y'all want to hear a great example of this, look at the word communism, if, there, there are so many things that are being described as communism that simply are not um, because it's really easy to say, okay, this thing is communism and that'll make a bunch of people hate this thing because it doesn't serve my interests. So uh, y'all keep an eye on this stuff. Be careful about where you're getting your news. I think it, it works in a lot of cases. It works in a lot of cases, but yeah, if, if, uh, you know, we've, I think there's, there's a lot of negativity built up around certain things, um, intentionally. And then all we have to say is, oh, this, this right here, that's communism. So must be bad, right? It's not, it's not communism. You're calling it that. No, see, no sparkle love. Good. Sparkle love. Good says I get my news from sidecar. Sam. I uh, don't get your news from me. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. We got, we got way into it. Didn't we? We got way into it. McNerd says, can we get a scheduled stream spot? That is just for chatting. Honestly, probably no, no van saves lives. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sam is not a trusted news source. Sam is just a uh, very pro, uh, pro critical thinking when it comes to absorbing news. Um, we've had we had some some very unfortunate repeals of uh, ethics and journalism laws. Uh, in shoot, I want to say it was like mid to late 1900s. I don't remember precisely when it was. Um, it might have been very late 1900s. But uh, in essence, they took a lot of the accountability out of uh, um, out of journalism. It has not served us well. So critical thinking. Yeah, I'm not here to get anybody started on communism. What I'm saying is like, if you can, if you, if you pretend things are communism, you can get people to disagree with them, even when they're not communist in the least, even, even when that thing, this idea is not related in any way. Yeah, McNerd says, can we get a scheduled stream spot just for chatting? I got a, on Tuesday, I had somebody duck in and be like, 
this is just this is just a chat stream, isn't it? Because it's looking like it, my guy. He was not happy. Apparently, he was not happy with uh, with the style, <laughs> with the style of our of our Tuesday stream, which is very much like this, except we spend more time chatting than we do reading. Eh, it depends on the week, but but uh, a lot of times those chapters are long ones. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. People, some folks just are not about this, and I, I get it. And this is what I mean. Like this is this is why it's so important that that people are like people it, it's 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 the only way that the show really grows is for people to be sharing about it um because this is really not something that is like this this type of stream is not something that twitch or youtube is like designed for and it's not something that their audience is generally used to and i'm really thankful for all of you who have been like hey this is weird yeah i'll come hang out definitely McNerd says it's more about the meaning, uh, the detailed meanings of the books and the content on Tuesdays. Yeah, and it's it's been funny because like with Frankenstein, I always found like some of the text really was a slog to get through, and then the discussion was great. But with the Hobbit, it's been fun on both accounts. Um, the the actual reading of it has been a ton of fun, and the uh, the discussion has been super fun. Um, that's how I felt about Gatsby as well. I liked them both there as well. McNerd says Twitch almost never has a chill, non-moderated text stream. Yeah, I, I, w- I definitely wouldn't call this one non-moderated. Like, <laughs> if something goes wild on me, I am going to moderate it. Louis says, this type of stream is building its own community here on Twitch. I, I definitely like for it to be. I would definitely like for it to move in that direction. <laughs> Boo on them, says Shotzi. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I get it. You know, it's not uh, it's not sort of the, a headliner thing. Not yet. We shall, we shall, we shall row that ship there ourselves we shall drive this janky sidecar straight on into the night okay we got seriously seriously sidetracked um don't forget head to the discord we're talking about community read-throughs we're talking about the after our new wednesday project that you can have an impact on it is going to be with mr halfbet as a matter of fact i encourage you to uh, ask him about it we're keeping some things under wraps so don't expect him to answer all the questions you've got so far but everyone i am just i'm really looking forward to all the things that we've got coming up and i thank you for being here i'll see y'all later on Bye bye <laughs>